0: Um, It is great to be able to step in for Steve. We will be praying for him that there's no more DIY-related injuries. But the reason that it's great to be able to step in is because um, I am really passionate about the one another value that we are looking at today. If you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks because it's the summer holidays and people have different rhythms, we've been in a series where we are looking at some of the one another statements in the Bible And we're only looking at a handful of them. There's absolutely loads. But today, we are going to be looking at hospitality. And the reason that I am passionate about this is because I think that it is something the church, with a big C, not just central, um, really has an opportunity to show, to live out, to embody in our lifestyles, particularly in society today. And um, I know many of you who sit here, you do have that value of hospitality. I've been on the receiving end of that in different ways. But my hope and prayer is that we will hear something fresh today from Holy Spirit. So why don't I just pray and then we will open God's word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want to speak to each and every one of us individually today. So take these words, Lord God, and speak to us, I pray. Amen. I'm not too sure of what you think when you hear the word hospitality. Um, I don't know whether you think of the hospitality industry, uh, whether you think of a meal or a table that is set like this. Actually, when I typed this into Google, guess what came up from the search engine located in Edinburgh? If we go to that slide. Scotland is renowned for its hospitality. There you go. So maybe you don't actually need to be here today because you've got it sorted. Because we live in Scotland and we're renowned for it according to Google. Um, But what we are going to do is we're actually going to look at God's word. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter In chapter 4, just three verses, starting at verse 7. So it will come up on the screen, but you can follow if you've got a Bible or on your apps on your phone. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. These verses of Scripture have so much in them that I personally think you could do an entire series just on this theme of hospitality and these verses. And actually, if you're in one of our communities, you may well be aware that over the last academic year, we have been thinking about what is radical hospitality. And we produced some videos um, around that theme And they are still available. If that would be helpful for you in your communities to look at, they're still on YouTube under the All Out playlist. Because this is something that we are um, passionate about at Central. But if we go back to these verses in 1 Peter, Michael, if you could just go back to that slide. According to some commentators, these verses were written to refer to an end-of-time context, The writer, in effect, is trying to reiterate what are some of the most important things for us to grasp and for us to aspire to live like in the last days. Now, I'm not here this morning to have a theological conversation with you as to whether we're in the end times or not. You can do that over lunchtime if you want to. But I do feel as if we do live in a time um, in culture and society where we as followers of Jesus Need to have an urgent zeal or fervency, as one commentator wrote it, when it comes to hospitality and the opportunity that we have there. Because if our desire, and I stress the word desire, is that we would truly take God's word to heart apply it to our lives as we grow in love and commitment for one another, for this city, for the people that we love, then these one another themes that we're looking at, they're not a list of do's and don'ts. And you've heard that over the last few weeks. These are radical counter-cultural declarations that will help us to advocate to others, to see one another flourish, and ultimately to become more like Jesus. And Don, on the first week, used this slide, and I'm using it again to help you to remember and to see we are scratching the surface with the few one another statements that we are looking at in this series. So in this verse and these verses that we're looking at today, What the writer does is actually puts hospitality right behind two very important things. Prayer in verse seven and love in verse eight. It's a bit like a three-pronged approach, spiritual plan to live by, for want of a better phrase. Because through prayer, we grow in our relationship with God. We're then to show love to one another. And Don reminded us in the first week that that's the most important of them all. And then in verse 9, the call is to offer hospitality without grumbling. Now, we will come back to the grumbling part in a little moment. But have you ever thought how these three link together? Prayer, love and hospitality. As we pray and grow in our relationship with Christ, we grow and draw closer to him. We recognise his voice more. We deepen our relationship with him, just like any other relationship you invest time in. This in turn means that our desire to love one another actually grows. Because I don't know if you're like me Maybe I'm the only one here, but sometimes it's hard to love one another. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. Um, Hospitality is then that practical outworking of all of this. And that's another reason why we, you heard it from Andy this morning, we kind of go on about it every week. We are a church who want to love Edinburgh, be family and follow Jesus. But if we're really honest, a lot of the time when we think of hospitality, we can maybe limit what it is. We can look at a table like this one that's set out before us and we can think, hospitality just has to look like that. Whilst this is a part of it, what happens if actually it's something so much more than that? So we're going to delve in a little bit deeper to unpack some of these verses together this morning. The word hospitality in the Greek is the word xenos, um, or the concept of xenia. And in effect, it's referring to the word stranger, alien. If we go a bit deeper, it's technically not just that one word, but what it's actually referring to is the relationship between guest and host, welcoming the stranger, And so, as you can see, what we do with the words that we've got in our language, which is the best that we can do, is we almost um, have a weaker understanding of what the Bible actually means when it uses this word, hospitality. We lose some of the fullness of what the reality of it actually is. And so we need to have a deeper understanding of the why and the what when it comes to hospitality. The first thing for us to remember today is hospitality is not just a suggestion, it's actually a command. There's strength in these verses that we're looking at in 1 Peter. But it's not the only part of the Bible that talks about this. There's so many other parts in the New and Old Testament that talk about this. One from Leviticus 19.34 says, "'You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt.'" I am the Lord, your God. We see practical outworkings through scripture time and time again of hospitality. But by saying all of this, there might be some of you who is sitting here today thinking, I feel slightly overwhelmed already. I feel like she's going to potentially ask me to do more, to have people over to my house that I don't know for a meal. I don't know if I really want to do that. Well, in preparation for today and for the last little while, I've been reading this book by Caroline Lacey called Extraordinary Hospitality for Ordinary People, Seven Ways to Welcome Like Jesus. And the reason that I've really liked this book is because she basically says it as it is. And that's my kind of woman. Um, And she starts her book in that way. Do you feel actually overwhelmed and overburdened by the concept of having more people in your home or feeling like you're not doing enough? As I said at the beginning, this is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not a place of condemnation to say do more. It's a place for us to come together as church family to continue to grow in our desire to be more like Jesus when it comes to showing hospitality to one another and what Caroline says in her book and she goes on when she's referring to the verses that we're looking at in 1 Peter she says this and the quote will come up on the screen Jesus called all of us to practice hospitality regardless of marital status salary or house size nowhere does it talk about tableware or tray bakes, neither does it link hospitality to expense, exhaustion, or an extroverted personality. Thank goodness. You see, we have to rethink what hospitality actually is and why it's important for us to do it. As I said, I'm gonna be referring to this table a little bit this morning. But actually, when we look at this table, I don't know what you see. I think I'd like to sit there with a friend, to talk, to eat good food together, but often this is what society sees when we think about hospitality, just a meal. But as we know and we're learning today, that Xenos is so much more than that. It's not just for a meal with people that we already know, and it's not just a meal. It's not just one another here together with the people that you maybe get on with and like people already in your community. It's for those that are outside of here. It's for those that are on your street. It's for those that you're working with. It's for those that don't yet know Jesus. So hospitality is not just a suggestion. It's a command. The second point is it's actually not... A very easy lifestyle choice, but it is an opportunity. Rosa Butterfield, in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, says, engaging in radically ordinary hospitality means we provide the time necessary to build strong relationships with people who think differently than we do, as well as build strong relationships from within the family of God. It's about listening. It's about doing both. But don't feel overwhelmed by that. As a senior team, some of us went to a conference in June. And the theme of this conference was all around how do we share the good news of Jesus with the whole planet over the next 10 years. Big vision. But one of the things that was said there, um, and a quote that was used, was by a guy called Sam Chan, who's a lead mentor at the School of Evangelism in Australia. And he said, hospitality is key to this because hospitality provides the spaces in which gospel conversations can happen in a friendly and safe environment. Some of you know a little bit of my story But I wanted to share a bit more of that with you today because hospitality is something that I'm so passionate about because it's something that I have received time and time again. But in my early years of life, I was welcomed as a stranger, as were my family. My mum um, went to a mums and toddlers group when I was just uh, a baby And she went to one at the local church. She wasn't a Christian at that time, but she was a woman in desperate need. She ended up becoming a Christian through those relationships that she had there. And then when I was six, she made a difficult decision and choice that actually she had to leave our family home where my father's alcoholism and abuse was getting so much worse that she needed to go with my sister and I to live in a women's refuge. Now, we just had a couple of carrier bags of our belongings because my mum didn't want to draw attention to the fact that she was going to be leaving my dad. And this photo that comes up on the screen is quite grainy, that's because it's over 34 years old, but you can tell who I am, I'm sure, and my sister is behind me. This photo was sent to me just the other week from the couple who led the refuge that we lived in for over a year and a half. The reason I show that to you is because that is an example of hospitality that is very different to this. You see, we moved into the refuge in September of 1988. My sister turned 11 in the October, right at the beginning of October. When my mum was packing up the stuff the bare essentials. She didn't think about things to make a cake. But this couple gave her all that she needed to be able to bake a cake for her daughter because they knew actually keeping things as normal as possible for her was really important. Now, why my mum chose to make a sewing box, which is what that's meant to be, I don't know. I mean, a square would have done. But anyway, that's my mum through and through. But as she baked this cake, this couple sat with her As she mixed and tears were rolling down her face because she's told me the story, they spent time listening to her story. They spent time helping her to make sense of the situation and circumstances that she was in. That's hospitality that looks very different to this lavish table that we see before us, doesn't it? I said we were there for a year and a half. We were there longer than anybody's meant to be there, and we kind of outstayed our welcome. But part of that is because my parents' divorce was very messy. It wouldn't kind of go through the sale of the house, all of those kind of things. My mum was working three jobs as a nurse, but we weren't eligible for um, help. And so, in effect, we were homeless when we needed to move out of the refuge. But we were a part of a church at that time, And for the next four years, people in that church opened their home to my mum, my sister, and I. We moved 14 different times over that four years. And some of those people in um, and through that church, they didn't actually live in the area that we were living at that time. Some of them were missionaries abroad, some of them were doing other things, so they'd never met us. But through the church, they were willing to give us their house keys. That is not a very sensible lifestyle choice, maybe, to let a mum and two kids into your home. I can think of countless times where I spilt, damaged, destroyed property, all accidentally, obviously. But those experiences were so formative to my faith journey The welcome that I received as a stranger helped me to understand more of who Jesus is and what radical hospitality looks like. Because you see, so much of the time for us to be able to understand it and offer it, we have to receive it ourselves and have a fuller understanding of what it is and what it isn't. I love this writing from Pete Gregg, which includes a quote from Henry Nowen, and it's going to come up on the screen, but it's quite small, so I'm going to read it. And I've read it before because I just think it sums it up so well. People tell me they have the gift of hospitality, by which I think they mean that they like dinner parties. They mean that they have or aspire to have a beautiful home with an underutilised spare room in which they enjoy entertaining exotic, interesting and appreciative guests who confirm just how lovely their home is. This is not the gift of hospitality. This is the gift of a box of chocolates. Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not in the IKEA catalogue. It's a really bad lifestyle choice. True hospitality allows for interruption, goes the second mile, and above all, it is present to people. And he says that that's where he fails the most. Henry Nowen says, listening is the highest form of hospitality, not to change people, but offer them space where change can take place. Hospitality like this rarely comes with a box of chocolates. It can often hurt our schedules our emotions, our bank accounts, and yes, it can even mess up our homes. You see, it's a command, it's an opportunity, but it's not glamorous. It's all about serving. And I said that I would go back to the part of this passage that says to do it without grumbling. Why is that there? As we've already mentioned, sometimes we can think that hospitality is to be done in just one way and actually if we do that, we don't only limit our creativity and our understanding and our interpretation of hospitality, but we also can start to end up doing it a little bit out of habit, out of gritted teeth because we've been told we're meant to do it. That could look a little bit like grumbling. Don't get me wrong, there's times where I definitely do that. There's times where I think, I just don't really want to welcome that person today. But I am not like Jesus, but I'm desiring and aspiring to continue to try and be more like him. All of these one another statements that we're looking at, Jesus is and always will be the perfect example of them. We're not being asked to be perfect. We're being asked to have a desire to welcome with joy, the stranger, and to show love in that way and one of the greatest examples that I ever, the greatest welcome I ever had was when we went over to South Africa with a group of young people, and um, we were doing some work building a house in a shantytown there, and there was this woman who lived in a mud hut, had hardly any money at all. We could not communicate because of the language barrier, but the welcome I received. The joy in her heart when we arrived, when she sang songs, when she offered what she had, which was hardly anything. That looks very different to this table that we see in front of us. So let's come back to this table. Because often what we can end up doing is, if we think it always has to look like this, then maybe we think, I can't do that yet. I've not got the house set up as it's meant to be. I've not got the bank account to actually make sure that I can shop at Waitrose and not just at Aldi. I've not got the, you can fill in the blank. But what would it look like if actually the knife, fork, spoon, for example, weren't just used for a lavish meal, but actually they were used and offered to the refugee family that moved in next to you with nothing, along with an invitation to a very simple dinner, maybe. What would it look like to actually take into work with you on a plate? You don't have to make it yourself. We're not all Mary Berry. You can buy it if need be. But maybe an offering of some cakes and a coffee with your work colleague who's just been told that week that they're going to be made redundant. And they're now struggling to work out what they're going to do. What would it look like if the bunch of flowers, instead of being on your table, was actually taken round to the neighbour or somebody that you know who's recently bereaved or is struggling with their mental health with the simple offer to say, I am praying for you. You could start to look at this and because of all the creativity in this room, you could start to think of ways to use the glass, to use the table, to use the tablecloth. The opportunities and possibilities are endless and that's what we see in God's word. The way that Jesus responds to the woman at the well is different to the way he responds to Zacchaeus. It's different to the way he responds to Jairus. They're all different, but they're all active hospitality. And the thing is, if we always make it lavish and glamorous, it's not very easy for others to replicate it. Don't get me wrong, I've been on the receiving end of incredible hospitality in and through this church. Some of you have been blessed with wonderful big homes where you can entertain and you can welcome people in, but not everybody has that. And that doesn't mean we can't use what God has given us. We all have a part to play. We can't sit here today and say, well, I'm not ready, or I can't do, or... Now, of course, there's seasons and stages in life. Sometimes it is right for us to stop for a while because of things we're going through. But if we always wait till everything is perfect, I don't think we will have it as a value. And that's what this passage is talking about, to offer hospitality to one another, both here and out there. Because of my experience, it was something that I then wanted to try and instill as a value in my life. I don't always get it right. But I've always tried growing up as a student when I had no money, when I was working, when I was single, when we then got married as a family. There's a picture that's going to come up on the screen. This is in our lounge. And these are our four family values that Andy and I decided to have when we got married And it's something that we are trying to instill into our children, the value of hospitality, as one of those. But let me just tell you, it's not glamorous, okay? When you come to our house, there's light fittings that still need to be finished. There's curtains that are still not up. I always warn people before they use our toilet, because I've got two small boys. You can work that out between you. I could give you a list to all the reasons why maybe it doesn't look like this. But that is not what God is asking us. And so actually, if you can't practice hospitality in and through your home, be creative. Maybe you can change your budget to have some money to be able to offer somebody a coffee. Maybe you can get involved, as many of you already are, in some of the things that we do here to show and practice the value of hospitality through the cafe, soul food, clothes bank, our Sunday gatherings. With a new academic year coming up, with students that are going to be joining, could you be one of the families that offers to, um, to host them? We do student lunches, for example. There was a recent survey that was done through Fusion, which is um, a worldwide, uh, which is an um, organisation committed to working with students, and they completed this survey in the UK with over 1,400 students, and 74% of students said, I would be willing to go to church if a friend invited me to come along, and 47% said, I would really like to hear the story of Jesus. We have such an opportunity to practice and to embody and value hospitality if we don't think it just has to always look like this. So I'm going to invite you, because I've gone on too long, but as you can tell, I'm passionate about it. Why don't you stand with me if you are able? Because it's all very well hearing these things, but it's about what is it that Holy Spirit is saying to you today when it comes to showing hospitality to one another. Maybe it's actually you need to have a break from it because of the circumstances that you're in, that's absolutely fine. Maybe actually you need to rethink your budget to be able to have a little bit of money to offer a coffee like I suggested. Maybe you need to give yourself a break and make sure it doesn't always look like this, but actually you could offer to take a meal to somebody, for example. Benedictine monasticism is known for the welcome given to the visitor. And one of the quotes that came from a book that I read within that said, hospitality demands that you let the people you are being hospitable with into your heart. Heavenly Father, we stand here today recognizing that we do want to be more like you. But we also recognize that this can be hard and a challenge. It can be costly, it's not always glamorous, it can hurt our bank balances, it can cause mess, it can interrupt our lives, but that is what you ask of us. So would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? Help us to see what you are asking us to do, not to compare what we do compared to somebody else, but what is it that you're saying to each and every one of us individually, but also collectively? as a church family, through our communities. Would your creativity come to us this morning as we reflect and respond? In Jesus' name, amen.